0: the Ravens respond, enough in London, this week on Pod Like a Raven. Well, a game that followed a similar path to several from this season, the Ravens clearly the better team, churning out yards but unable to pull away. But finally, a different outcome. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us here on Pod Like a Raven. Boy, the team hit that third quarter lull uh, that they love to do uh, in a game that really should have been put away in the first half. But this time, they are able to make just enough plays to turn the tide, secure a needed win in London. And we are here to talk about it. I'm joined by Chase Evans. Chase, how you feeling after... The the European uh, location score uh, methods of getting points and weirdness uh, different si- metric system uh, d- time change all that how you feeling after a London win
1: um kind of the same in many ways I mean I'm not certainly not as distraught as uh, I was in the immediate aftermath of last week's absolute disaster against the Steelers but I don't know if I feel especially better about the state of the Ravens. We'll kind of, I think, be unpacking that uh, throughout the course of the show. But uh, yeah, certainly better to win than lose. Obviously went a lot better than the last time they went to London, which was one of the worst losses in team history. So, you know, I had a nice day. I woke up, drove over to the parents' house. We did a little brunch, watched this game. So that was nice. And it, I will say, kind of nice. You know, I've kind of gotten used to watching football starting at 10 a.m. out on the West Coast, now back on the East Coast. Uh, Kind of nice to have, the, you know, this game and then another game and then another game and then another game. So that was kind of, you know, f- full of football Sunday. So that was nice. But yeah, as for the state of our favorite team, I I, I still don't really know what to make, uh, make of these guys. Uh, there's some good, some bad, but yeah, just kind of moments that leave you scratching your head, too.
0: Jace, were you on the West Coast for the other london game or had you not i was and
1: i did not watch a second of that didn't I don't make think. it for that
0: but 6 a.m <laughs> wake up yeah. Uh, well yeah good nice to have you back on the on the east coast for a, a more manageable uh time uh and then also on the east coast tim horsey tim uh how you feeling after after the weekend
2: oh better than the steelers game but i don't know how much better as, as jace mentioned um i had to watch this game in a very unique way um so carly had a friend who uh needed to move and it was supposed to be originally scheduled for saturday some things came up and the move got scheduled for sunday moving out of uh, her apartment and you know i already offered to help i wasn't gonna bail at that point you can't do that obviously wasn't gonna do that and so it was basically just went on uh blackout mode um i ended up basically following watching on my phone driving where where we needed to drive, and then when I had to pick up the get behind the wheel, listening to Jerry Sandusky on the call for pretty much the entire first half, like right up to the Zay Flowers touchdown, and then uh, I heard the two point conversion get called back for a stupid penalty or whatever it was, and then turned it off, and I was like, all right, I guess I'll just pick up at the second half here. So miraculously, you know, left my phone, and miraculously was able to avoid any sort of score, any sort of update um, about where the game was, where I could pick it up in the second half, which I thought was going to be near impossible. I did see that I had 87 text messages, though. Um, most of them from this thread on Podlaker Raven. Uh, some other text threads that I had muted just to make sure that, you know, and gave people proper warning of, hey, please don't message me during this game. I'm not watching live. You know? And hoo boy, we'll, we'll talk about the details there, but that third quarter and not having the appropriate time to get up and, you know, Use the restroom or shovel more buffalo chicken dip in my face to deal with the stress and anxiety or pour another really strong cocktail to deal with the overwhelming sense of dread and um, the feeling that life is meaningless because I have to watch this just <laughs> horrendous team week in and week out. No, 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 no. I was skipping huddles. I was skipping commercial breaks, huddles. I, I was on my phone watching the game and would, would do two taps and it would immediately go to the next play because of just basically 20 seconds in between plays. Do not recommend watching your team, especially when that team is the Baltimore Ravens, in that way. Um, I nearly had a heart attack in a, team this, uh, in a game this team won. And, yeah, I was certain they were going to lose, just based <laughs> on all the factors and the, and the feeling in my gut and not being able to experience it live. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad we're here and we'll get to talk about a win and not to share my personal story right off the top here. But um, that was a stressful 35 to 40 minutes of me frantically skipping through my phone uh it was it was
1: yeah tim you mainlined like the full baltimore ravens experience in like at least half if not a quarter of the time and not doctor recommended
2: ravens cocaine and almost overdosed was pretty much what happened and it was not great um i do not recommend it I, i don't know what that feeling is but i can imagine it was something like that and just being horrified the entire time
0: uh, yeah, and you got all the text messages in the thread all at once, all condensed so as well. that part was fun, yeah.
2: as you both know. Like, I ended up, <laughs> I didn't read anything, obviously, until the game ended. And then I kind of, like, read the fu- the last couple from you two. Because, again, I had 87. 84 of them were from Antonio and Jace and those two talking back and forth. <laughs> and the amount of, like, I, I saw, like, kind of what you guys talked. I responded. I was like, I'm back. I'm back on the grid here, guys. We're good. And then like later that night, when I was watching the Red Zone of the, the later games, I went through and just read back the text messages while watching a replay of the game on my iPad, just kind of sort of half-following along and was like, Ugh. God. Another game where the Ravens <laughs> tried to just piss it away, but, you know, luckily the Titans were worse than we were. So, yeah. Again, do not recommend, you know, obviously if you got to help friends do stuff, you got to help friends do stuff. That, that you know you can't can't avoid those particular things or particular events sometimes but i should have just went home and just taken in all the commercials and had time to pace around the room and all that <laughs> stuff too rather than trying to basically mainline it uh, like you said before tim's uh tim's just a good
0: guy i i don't know i don't know if you could get me to uh to help the significant other's friend move that have you know i i just good on you, Tim. And I'll give an example as to why that's not me. I'm not a very nice person. Uh, I do not have NFL <laughs> network. Uh, I don't have the YouTube TV. So for this game, I had to just go out like a like a weird human to a, a bar that was open at 9 a.m. Hell yeah. Uh, found a brewery that had the nice setup, and I sat down. And then as soon as I sat, you know, shockingly, the bar was pretty empty when I got there. Another guy walked in immediately behind me and asked if the game was on. He was a Titans fan. And oh, no. then found out that I was a Ravens no. fan, and he sat directly next to me in an empty oh, bar. No, uh, and started. He asked, and this was—I mean, this is like a uh, like a audio warning for the listener if you're a baseball fan. But he then asked, uh, or the bar, the bartender said, "Yeah, Baltimore sports are having a moment." And he then asked, or the bartender asked, "Where the Orioles were in the postseason?" And this Titans fan said, "Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure they're playing the Braves in oh. this in the semifinals." Or he said, "It was just a sentence that made no sense <laughs> whatsoever." And so at that point, I knew that I just needed the faces got to just go from the television screen to texting the thread. That's I think part of the reason that they were uh, 84 text messages because then he <laughs> tried to talk to me a few times. It was just the he just head you know head down. Uh, and just and just bear, bear down and get through it. So it was a an interesting morning. I can definitively
2: um, say your experience was worse than mine. Like, definitively <laughs> that is worse than what I had to do.
0: Uh, uh, because it's a London game, so it has to be weird. All those games are weird. This game is weird. Atmospheres are odd. Uh, and the Ravens and Titans kept right in line with London games being kind of hard to figure out. They trade field goals... Uh, early in this game. And then the Ravens score, I'll say, on five of the first six possessions in this game, cannot solve the red zone, and have an 18-3 halftime lead. Uh, I I have one incredible stat, and then we'll kind of break down the first half a little bit, but the field goals in this game went as follows. On fourth and one at the Titans, 23. Fourth and four at the 10 Fourth and goal at the five, fourth and goal at the two, and fourth and one at the nineteen. I texted that John Harbaugh is a broken man because this <laughs> is not the Harbaugh that we have uh, learned to love and hate uh, in the last four to five years. And I was shocked by some of these decisions, um, but but Jace kind of talked me talked me down a little bit, explained it a little bit that. Uh, first of all, these are not the 2019 Ravens. And <laughs> maybe just a conservative approach in a game where you just want to stack points and see if the Titans can can catch your number, right? Just keep it with stacking points without actually making the, the glaring mistakes as, as much as possible.
1: Yeah, and, and I kind of thought, to maybe playing into... to to his mindset was just the disaster that was last week. You know, no points after halftime. You have the end of half disaster. Um, Obviously, Lamar throwing the pick in the end zone that cost points last week. So it seemed to me, because I completely agree with you, we would have – it was kind of shocking in some cases to not go for any of these (laughs) fourth and goals, uh, the the goal to goes especially – But yeah, it just seemed to me like he just seemed to lack any kind of faith in his team to execute, which, you know, is also kind of on him. But uh, in this case, yeah, I was fine with them settling just because... It seemed the way the game was going that the Titans just didn't have much juice, especially in the first half. And you're like, just get keep getting points and you should be okay. And it barely worked out for them. So that's obviously what the concern long term is. Uh, I mean, the big difference between this game is, I think, Tim, you might have mentioned it, just the Titans aren't as good as the Steelers. But like, the, we left the door open, the Ravens did, for them to steal this game. Um but, yeah, it's just the the lack of execution in the red zone. And it's weird because, like, you know, for all our talk of, like, this being a new offense and stuff, they started off as one of the best red zone teams in the NFL this season. First four weeks, they're 12 for 14 uh, in the red zone um, in terms of converting for touchdowns. Uh, 12 touchdowns, two field goals. They get points every possession. 12 for 14. They're two for nine the last two weeks. That number is via Jeff Zarebic. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I Maybe that last week's problems spilled over into this week for Harbaugh in terms of the decision-making. I was, as I said, I was mostly fine with it. Um, But yeah, I mean, just big picture, you got to get some of these into touchdowns because you're just not going to beat teams that are better than the Titans. If you can't get, you know, better than a two for nine number. So that was annoying. And now we have a multi-week trend of this happening where, like you said, they moved the ball. All day, pretty much, uh, you know. Aside from a blip, we'll get into. Uh, they were moving the ball. And they're just disasters <laughs> of various, mostly small disasters, but they stack up. And yeah, then you you're, you're somehow white knuckling uh, an onside kick against a team you outgained by like 150 yards at the end of the game. So even though I was fine with it, it you gotta just it just gotta be better. So maybe that's all a roundabout way to say maybe they should have been a little more aggressive. But I think for this particular opponent the settling for field goals was fine. Yeah I
2: agree I, I think there just seems to be a lot of self-inflicted easily preventable mistakes and I'm not even talking about like turnovers and stuff but the one as jace was speaking there just kind of it sprung to my mind because again I was able to kind of watch the first half, albeit on my phone, traveling somewhere, but, but live, and I remember thinking, and I couldn't text you guys, because again, I didn't want to get back in the thread, and they'd be like, oh, he's back, now we can just ping him up the whole time, and someone would have been spoiled, whatever, I'm a crazy person, but they had, John Simpson went out, who is pretty much a backup left guard anyway, They're starting left guard, John Simpson goes out with an injury, and I think it was like a third and short play, this wasn't in the red zone, but it was a third and short play, and they ran it behind the left guard. <laughs> the second-string left guard who was coming in for the guy who probably should be the second-string left guard. And it was just some of this, some of this stuff where it's like, you're shooting yourself in the foot here. They're clearly going to attack the guy that just came into the game, and yet you're running right at that. It just it didn't make sense to me. I think a lot of the, and this is, this is old, old man take, and I understand that, and every analytics person will get on me for this and, and stats nerd and whatever, that's fine. But like when you're in the red zone or you're really up against the goal line, We don't need shotgun with Justice Hill in the backfield. You have a battering ram at at running back with a literal defensive tackle at fullback. We can do a couple of those (laughs) and see if it works. And then, you know, if you want to get cute and spread it out and what have you. And obviously the Zay Flowers touchdown, his first one, congratulations to him, um, is part of that. But some of it I just think is... I don't know if it's over-complicating it, but it just kind of seems like in the moment, you're like, you know, they're on the five-yard line or whatever it is. And this is not even just this game specifically, but the last two. It's it's third and goal at the five, and you got Justice Hill in the backfield, and, and, and you're not playing to a, a, a clear strength that you have in a guy that's a, a short yardage back like Gus Edwards. I don't know. It just seems like so, there's a lot of times, and again, turnovers aside, because we'll get to that in a second. It, it, there's too many... You know, Lamar, after the game, did this whole thing. He did put this thing on social media. I don't care about your parlays and your fantasy team. I'm here to win games. <laughs> yeah, but you know what also wins games? Doing things that help parlays and fantasy teams. Because that's <laughs> scoring points. That's scoring points. So, d- the whole, like, just keeping these guys close and we're going to get out a gritty win. I really need to see the Ravens. I think the g- the bigger general point here is that me, you, everybody listening to this, Ravens fans all over... Really, just need to see the Ravens kick the living crap out of some teams to get some of that confidence back. The Arizona Cardinals coming up in a couple weeks. Don't make that like a frisky 14 point win that you gutted out. No. Beat them by 35 and be done with it. And get Tyler Huntley in from like 750 in the third quarter on and just be done. Do the Dolphins thing. Like, do that thing, where they just score, like, a million points, and it's never in doubt, even when they're down 14 against the Carolina Panthers. I just – I don't know if that's in that team's DNA. And because of that, I feel like we're going to be, like, like nervous, shaking, and and doing the whole – again, Jace, you said it, and I just love using this – mainlining the Ravens for the rest of the year because they're going to (laughs) stress us out so much. I thought a
0: large – portion of what happened in the red zone was a direct response to the interception thrown in the end zone the week before. Uh, I just think they were so conservative in their run design and in their pass passing plays that they did inside the 10 yard line and stuff was ugly. The touchdown they got was only because the play had broken down. It was not (laughs) through the actual design of the play. Uh, He was just able to get out of the pocket. Um, And then I, I kind of think in these short yardage stuff, they also played into the Titans hands a little bit where their strength is the interior of the defensive line and they were successful in the passing game even, but the running game in the past lateral stuff, immediately getting the ball out to the sidelines and then letting their talent, their playmakers go from there. Uh, and then you would just see, they had a few runs, um, I don't, I don't know the exact terminology of it, but it's like Ricard just goes in motion at the snap, basically, and then he just tries to get some sort of trap block, and that would just get blown up immediately at the snap. And there was this whole surge in the middle of the line, uh, and you put those things together—a conservative attack with the Titans being strong in the interior of their line—and you're going to get to these fourth downs that you then have to make decisions on. That I guess this particular week Harbaugh said, "I want field goals. I want points." Um, And I guess it worked in a kind of a sick, twisted way. It
1: worked just, just, just enough.
2: <laughs>
1: one play in particular, Antonio, that I think completely highlights what you're talking about is one of the third downs that they face on a third and goal. They do the Lamar QB power thing, and he promptly lost three yards <laughs> on third, third and goal from the one. And it was clear, like, you know, I feel like sometimes I can talk out of both sides of my mouth on this because it's like... I do want the ball, like the ball in Lamar's hands. He's our best player, and if it's like if you got to get a yard, I still think he might be the best player. But clearly, they were not. They were not fooled on that one, and uh, they went very backwards. So yeah, it, it, it was just very conservative, and yeah, I mean. It just it's it's frustrating just because it like that kind of approach does leave this like because there should this game should have never been close <laughs> like frankly like, the Ravens are eight for six they go fifty percent on third down eight for sixteen the Titans are one for nine as I mentioned one hundred and thirty yards difference but that's the mantra uh, of the season
2: Jace this team this game yeah. should not have been close <laughs> this team should be six and zero oh. like they should easily yeah. be six and zero oh, and it shouldn't be close they should have closed the door on the Colts. And closed the door on the Steelers. And we've done the same dance over and over and over again. For you guys, I just, and I don't want to derail the whole thing here. And this could be a longer conversation for later down the road. But but quickly, I guess. At what point are you done with the excuse of it's a new offense? and In terms of, like, the rustiness and the lack of execution. The turnovers, I don't necessarily know if you can blame that on the offense. That's just Lamar giving the ball away. Or the guy's fumbling. That's not, like... Getting used to the offense. That's not taking care of the ball. Those are two separate things. But at what point here, we're in week six now. We're getting into week seven. Are you kind of done with the, well, they got to really, like, really fine-tune this offense? Because guess what? I don't want to hear this for the entire year. Like, I i don't think they don't need it. They don't need an entire year to learn an offense. But if we start getting into nine, weeks nine, ten, eleven, and it's still like, well, they're still learning the monkin' system. It's like, it's put up or shut up time, guys, and I, I feel like we're getting a lot of that from, you know, different whether it's national or local media, where it's like, well, you know, this, this, trust me, this takes time. This takes time to figure this out. I'm like, you don't have time. This team doesn't have time, and and I I get concerned that they're just gonna go. Rest on that laurel, essentially. Of well, there, it's the lack of execution is because we still don't really fully know the offense yet. That just that concerns me because it's not something you want to hear in you know again heading into week seven.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, Tim, for for two different reasons. One being the system is no, it's going to take time. All that you know, blah blah blah. But I feel like a lot of times when you interview players and coaches. You know, A lot of what they say is just PR stock phrases to get through the interview, but there is a common thing that coaches and players will talk about that is basically we're still figuring out who we are. We're still figuring out what we are, and I think that's real. I think that takes months every season for every team to figure out who are our best players this season in those moments, in those down and distances, who's the healthiest, who's been making this play over the past eight weeks, Which of these plays have we torn up and thrown out of the playbook because they haven't worked three times over the past six games? Uh, What are some of the plays that we've held in the back pocket that we're saving for December? So I'm still, I don't know, several weeks away, I would say, from just expecting the fully formed execution of both the system and the players. And can we just keep enough guys healthy to when we get to December, basically? And, and then that kind of will come together. And that's why there's the there's cliched stock phrase, like, you got to play your best football in December. Oh, it's December football games. That is the end result of all this, I think, is winning those games because that's when the standings are tight. That's when you have to grab the playoff spots. And also because you sh- better have figured out at this point um, what your team is, what you run best, and which players fit in the, in those best spots
1: yeah i i don't really i guess have too much of a time frame on it but it is just kind of frustrating you know i, I was kind of reading through zarebik's piece this afternoon and it, it feel like i've read just variations of like this is ronnie stanley said this and i feel like i've read variations of this exact same thing 800 times the last few years now but he said a lot of frustration from everyone on the offense because we know we're going to have to score in those situations to be elite and be the team we know we can be. We're going to fix it, and we have the guys to fix it. Everybody's got to hold each other accountable, but I don't think anyone's down on each other. I think everyone's just focused on growing together and making sure we get it right. And that's frustrating to hear, but I agree with half of it. I do think they have the guys, and uh, like, I think that's the most frustrating thing is I do think this is... Like, their most talented offensive team probably since Lamar's been here. Like, from the line to the wide receiver core uh, to the way he's playing, I think he's still... I thought Lamar was great this game, again, for the most part. Again, the red zone issues are <laughs> frustrating, to say the least. But I thought he had a great game. Uh, and so I do think the Ravens have the pieces to, like, be special. It's just...
2: I don't I'm know, just, can, I'm just tired of that quote, James. Yeah, We've been hearing that quote for, yeah. you know, and this is not even like a monkin thing. You just hear, we got the guys to put it together. Well, then effing put it together. Like, like I just, <laughs> come on. And look, yeah. rational side, Antonio's right, you know, and I think that I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting there. Like, it's on my radar, essentially, is kind of where I'm at with it. <laughs> All right,
0: let's continue on. Uh, in the specific game that we're looking at, I want to get to the second half, but I also want to do one possession at the end of the first half. Well, let's say two uh, at the end of the first (laughs) half uh, because one of my just John Harbaugh is a broken man uh, parts is this last drive, substantial drive, that the Ravens have in the first half where they get the ball with a minute and 47 seconds and all three timeouts at around their own 20, maybe their own 17-yard line. They go run, run on their first two plays, lose an entire minute, but they've gained ten yards, roughly. So now it's, okay, now we're go. Which a lot of teams do, and I hate. It's the, like, let's just see if we get a first down, and if we don't, the clock is run. But you're kind of, you're like in between, you you don't, don't end up doing either thing well, I feel like, as opposed to just make a decision and do one or the other. So they get <laughs> ten to fifteen yards, they are now at 45 seconds instead of a minute and 47. They've run two plays. They're able to get to midfield. They get to a fourth and three with 12 seconds left on the Tennessee 46-yard line. And the announcing crew is sort of like, ooh, Tucker's looking to come out. He, he made it from that spot. But maybe they'll just go for it and see how it goes. And then the punt unit comes out. And I think everybody, it's <laughs> uh, cross-continental Confusion uh, when that happens. And they go for a punt. And you could take a 63 yard f- field goal attempt. You could go for it. And your worst case scenario is that the Titans will receive the ball at midfield with seven seconds, six, maybe, depending on what kind of play you run. I was baffled by this decision. <laughs> um, it was conservative week for the Ravens, I guess. And this fell right into that. And then Harbaugh is just bailed out as as bailed as he's (laughs) ever been in his life because the punt is muffed um boy in a scenario where there is no reason for your punt returner to even be fielding the ball if there is a punt with 12 seconds where he is attempting to catch it anywhere i don't know inside midfield why even try to catch it just let it bounce take the touchback, take it down at the five and kneel it that was, you know, if the Ravens had done that, we might have literally lit, like, our respective houses on fire <laughs> mid-pod the following day, but the punt is muffed, there's a second left, they get they they're able to steal a field goal anyway, but I'm confused by that decision, guys. Jace, I'm turning back to you. Tell me that he was actually wrong this time, or, or am I just wrong again, in that it was a safe play, it was a safe play. Let the other team make mistakes.
1: And they did. <sighs> it was it was kind of baffling yeah i I, yeah i don't have much of a defense either way on this one for for johnny harms but uh you know i mean it was nice to get this field goal and i i'll I'll be honest even with the the offensive problems we described i was feeling so good at halftime of this game i'm like whatever they don't look that great but they're up 18 to 3 and they're gonna cruise and it's gonna be a great
2: how can you think that After all of this, how can you think at all that they are going to, quote-unquote, cruise? What? It just, I was
1: contrasting it in comparison to last week, when we had just the disaster before the half. And we have something work out for us, even if we kind of misplayed it, or were tentative, or who really knows what they were trying to accomplish. It doesn't seem clear either way, as Antonio, you kind of pointed out, like... Killing clock, going for it, like, kind of hit this weird halfway point. I think they kind of just, on the conservative thing, they knew the Titans were getting the ball first out of halftime. And they just didn't want to screw screw something up and give them a chance to do the score-score thing. I think that's all it was. Uh, but, you know, we end up with a, just a free field goal out of it. And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe I'm an idiot, Tim. I, I was feeling great. 15-point lead at the half. I was like, what a, you know, I didn't think they were even playing great. But you're like, you're up 15. It's going fine. Just keep doing this. No problems. And then it was basically immediately a one-score game in the second half. It was Well, long. yeah, let's, uh,
0: let's get to that second half, Jace, because uh, a couple things happened. And it was the same recipe as every other game the Ravens have ever played. It is amazing. It is incredible how consistent these games go. It's almost like there's a script to make sure that a lot of the <laughs> games are close. Uh, in the second half, early, there is an absolutely insane roughing the passer call on Pierce on third down when the Ravens would have gotten off the field. I am... I love giving... This is going we're, we're really getting intimate here, but I love giving refs the benefit of the doubt. I think they get Way too much criticism, a lot, in situations where we have no idea how fast things are happening watching it on television. And I think that can happen. And they make mistakes because they're human beings, but also they do a pretty good job considering This was ridiculous. Uh, You go through the checklist of reasons that you can have a roughing the passer, and none of them apply. And it is a ref who is basically, it's the head official, is just basically watching only that play in, play out, is watching the quarterback, watching the quarterback, and it's right in front of him, and he throws the rough in the passer, and I hated it. But okay, a little bit of adversity uh, against the Ravens. Immediate Derrick Henry, <laughs> 63-yard run. He'd been bottled up completely uh, before that. Leads to a field goal. It's 18-6. Everything is fine in theory. I text the thread, one of the 84 text messages. If we just don't turn the ball over, the Titans cannot come back in this game. Enter Baltimore Ravens' performance art. Two plays after that. Bateman runs a terrible comeback route, one yard short of the first down marker. A little football insider secret. Those routes are almost always to the first down marker, and then you turn around. But he ran it a yard short. It's fine. The throw's off. Bateman doesn't even attempt to catch the ball, which is interesting. Uh, Goes directly into the hands of Titans corner Sean Murphy Bunting. There's a Hamilton... Penalty, he's ejected. Henry scores a touchdown. A play or two later, and it's eighteen thirteen. Full implosion. It's the same script over and over and over again. And I think none of us had any confidence at that point. Guys, walk me through this series of plays here and what you.
1: <laughs> am I again? Am I am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, no. I mean, I, I was I was at full on. Here we go again. Uh, after this, because I was like, I was just sitting there being like, can I just sim to the end of the game and just i, I think i said aloud loud to my family i was like i just want them to get to the end of the game and then i'll just drive home <laughs> and, and everything will be fun. like they'll lose and i'll just be like all right it happened time to go about my day uh but no, uh i mean so my theory on the pierce penalty i shared this with you all uh is and I see players do this, and I also think this happens in the NBA. When the guy emphatically does, I didn't do anything hands, which Michael Pierce did after the sack, I think that's why they threw the flag. I guess what he thought was he put too much body weight, and he's a large man, probably the heaviest guy on the team, I would guess, onto Ryan Tannehill, and then immediately went with the two hands up all nothing to see here hands. And I think that's what draw the flag, but he, and then of course the immediate run was just so classic. Like even like the first shred of adversity, you're like, you're just completely shutting down this team. And then just Derek Henry out take, I'm surprised they even got him out of bounds to be honest on that run. But even then, like you said, I was feeling okay. And then the Lamar pick happened. and I was, I, I just immediately went to a very dark place. And, I'm joining you on the uh, I'm done with Rashad Bateman train. Um, you put it all well, but this was just a ridiculous thing. I've seen some people like say like that throw wasn't good by Lamar. I disagree, because if lo- <laughs> Rashad Bateman locates the ball and puts his hands up to catch it like a receiver is supposed to do, and which he didn't either... I don't think the ball gets to Sean Murphy bunting. He should still be able to, like, make a play on the ball and just to not, like, maybe it's a miscommunication. But I'm going to lean on the side of Lamar Jackson being in the right because he's the guy with the ball and calling the plays. So I feel like he kind of knows what he's supposed to be doing on that. Uh, Yeah, that was just an awful look. uh, And... You know, I'm just out on him. I mean, I, you know, again, maybe Lamar holds the film heads, will rightfully point out that Lamar holds more responsibility for that. But that just seemed like such a play that is just squarely on Bateman to me. Um, it, it, it just like all, everything you said, like the lack of effort, doesn't seem to locate the ball, doesn't like, was like surprised the ball was thrown to him and then didn't really immediately react. After the interception happened, it was all bad. Uh, And just, like, not expecting the ball in that location, I was just – I was apoplectic at him (laughs) at this moment of the game. Um, And and then just for me, as for the Hamilton penalty, uh, I've seen a lot of Ravens fans raising a stink about it. I get it. Like – you're not going to more blatantly headshot a guy in, in the league. And, you know, they've re- kind of revised these rules and stuff. And they're like, yeah, he wasn't trying to hit him in the head. It's like, well, he did. And this is a results business. And, uh, in the NFL, it doesn't really matter what you were trying to do. It's matters what you did. And what he did was hit Chris Moore in the face with his own helmet. Uh, so, you know, that's a penalty. That's the, the ejection. It is what it is. I wasn't surprised. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I was fine with it. I've seen a lot of Ravens fans kind of, I guess more the injection side of things, but I'm not even kind of surprised at that because that's about as blatant as a headshot gets in this day and age. So, um, yeah, I know. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to, like, adjust your body and stuff, but he nailed him in the head with his helmet. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the refs were supposed to do there. So, um yeah, I wasn't surprised by that, but to just be back to back to back, and then Henry runs into the end zone, seeming like being escorted by Ravens defenders who had no interest in touching him, and I was just like, "Oh my God, we are losing this game." But to their credit, they they salvaged it. They stopped the bleeding on like last week, so that was good. But yeah, I, I was I was fully expecting the worst at, at this point.
2: I was sitting outside a u-haul drop-off area and i witnessed all of this in about 45 seconds i kid you not this was because well, it
1: happened in like two minutes in real yeah. life yeah, so that's not like, even that not even that right, condensed uh, right it might it might even
2: be less than that it might be like 15 but th- what like I was telling Carly during the move, and this is before I had witnessed any of this, of like, I just got a feeling they're going to lose. And she's like, you want me to tell you? I'm like, no. <laughs> I want to suffer. I already have Antonio and Jace on me right now saying, one of you text me individually if it's 44 to 17. I don't want to watch it. They had not. Obviously, they had not contacted me. Um, but I saw the 87 text messages. And then I see those plays for, uh, you know, that happen again. Anywhere from fifteen to forty-five seconds in in Tim's real time, and I almost drove a U-Haul into the highway and just and just kept going and, and just released, you know, put something on the accelerator and just kept going. I thought that was it. I thought that was it. Uh, it would have been just me in the car, by the way. Um, I I that that right there is the moment. Like that is the. Holy crap, the Ravens are really trying to just give games away. And teams that are better than the Titans, teams that are not that good, the Steelers, are going to take advantage and ruin you for that type of stuff. Um, so, you guys have said it all. The Michael Pierce one is just, Jace, sure, fine, like, good. Ex- don't do the hands up thing. Don't call the effing penalty. Like, it's just the most ridiculous call I have seen in a very long time. And I, for one, am the opposite of Antonio. I think these referees are too old and too slow and need eye checks. Bill Vinovich, by the way, search his name. Uh, there is currently a petition with 148,500 signatures <laughs> to fire official Bill Vinovich and his entire crew. This comes from January 20th, 2019. If you don't know... That date, Bill Vinovich is the referee who was the head of the crew that called that ridiculous – or did not call, excuse me, the ridiculous pass interference call um, (laughs) in the Saints game that eliminated the Saints in the – I think it was the NFC Championship game at that point. Uh, The Rams go on to uh, go to the Super Bowl in that, and the the Saints do not. Vinovich was that crew. crew Also – Let's see here. Uh, Bill Vinovich, he, I'm just going to read from, this is from football-refs.com. Vinovich began his career in the NFL as a side judge on the officiating crew headed by referee Ed Hockley before being promoted to a referee. This man comes from the Ed Hockley branch of suckery and should not be a referee in the National Football League. Nor should his entire crew. I just, those type of calls are the things that ruin games. And look. To, to do all this rant, a lot of it's hyperbole, obviously. If you don't get it, you don't get it. But that type of stuff is just inexcusable. And for a Ravens fan, it's even more inexcusable because we'll find ways to shoot ourselves in the foot. You don't have to help us. You don't have to bring the gun. We've got it, and we've got eight toes. Like, we will figure it out. Don't worry about it. You don't, We don't need the assistance here. And I thought the refereeing, well, from both you know both sides, I think it was just horrendous. Um, There was, I, I could have pulled it up, I can't find it in the 84 text messages, but there was one where Antonio says, I think we should just tell Tim because the, the refereeing penalties might actually kill him. And he was <laughs> almost, almost correct. Um, you know, just a horrendous sequence overall. Uh, mainly from the Ravens, a little bit from Vinovich and his crew. But yeah, I that's where I thought they, that's where I thought they lost it. And God willing, they did not. And I think that's more of the Titans being bad than us being good. Tim mentioning
0: uh, eight toes there because two removed during the two losses where the Ravens were able to shoot their <laughs> there it toes is. off there uh, is. one toe for each of those games. So, half the sports world, I think, uh, believes that momentum is a real thing and then the other half thinks it's not, basically. Uh, I think we know which side Ravens players tend to fall on, uh, on that debate, but we somehow get these gift, horrendous throw by Ryan Tannehill. There's usually at least one a game, and Geno Stone, backup safety, who's becoming one of the best stories out of Baltimore in the last couple of years, makes a play, gets an interception, gets some yards, the game completely swings back in one play, and all of a sudden, the Ravens, who in their previous three drives, the first three drives of the second half, ran eight plays for negative one yards (laughs) after an interception, all of a sudden the Ravens can sustain a drive again offensively. Some may think a defensive play shouldn't impact how the offense executes, but we're not going to go there right now. All of a sudden the Ravens sustain drives. They go on a 13 play and an 11 play drive immediately after this, add two more field goals, put the game mostly out of reach, let's say, for for a a bad Titans team to start and one now with Tannehill after this play out with, I believe, an ankle injury that's been bothering him. It's now a Malik Willis-led Titans team. Um, They're back down double digits, and I think we're kind of cruising again. Why does this happen, guys? Why does a defensive play impact how the offense is suddenly able to get yards and plays? Is it I mean, I guess it is. It's just this team is just mental. That's the only thing I can come <laughs> up with. When I have been taught by many wise minds in the sports journalism world that momentum, statistically, is not a real thing, and yet, watch this game and tell me that it isn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm completely there with you. It doesn't make much sense. It was not. Ni- it was nice to see. Uh, obviously, I, um It's what they didn't do last week, basically, when uh, things started to fall apart. They never picked themselves back up off the mat. Uh, But it was nice, yeah, to be able to take that pick and convert it to points. Would have loved. I mean, a touchdown, as we kind of said, would have been great. Just kind of ended right there and then and there. But to still push it to eight and uh, just keep keep them at arm's length and then double digits uh, was very nice. Uh, Obviously, Lamar hits a huge Play a huge throw to Andrews on their final of these two drives, which was a, a really nice ball. Uh, he had a few just awesome runs a third down, a crazy like th- third and down scamper for about five yards where he must have ran 60 yards uh, <laughs> sideways. Uh, that was nice, and a few other nice conversions, but um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, they did on one of the... I think it was the second sequence, but they tried the stupid play they do where Andrews takes the direct snap that's never once worked. I don't know why they keep trying it. It's like our version of the tush push, If but if it had a 0% success rate. Uh, so they should stop doing that play. They should take that out of the, the, the books. But uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it was just... It was extremely encouraging, I would say, after the events of last week where you're like, wow, you're allowed to stop things from happening to you <laughs> and just kind of, you know, get, as I said, get back up off the mat and just kind of take care of business. And I mean, I think it's on that play. He throws that pick awful ball by Tannehill and then he's injured, right? That's a, I think that made a big difference too. Cause you know, I don't know that, that they win the game if Tannehill doesn't go back out there. I can't speak with any certainty on that. Um, Not that Willis looked good. I mean, half his yards were like one completion to their running back on a swing pass that he just broke like a billion tackles. Uh, So, yeah, it it was nice to see them just kind of rally back, but it would be nice if, yeah, like build the whole second half out of those two drives. Just come out out of halftime and don't go for negative one yard. And you're not in any of this mess. You're as you, someone, one of you guys said like you're resting Lamar. Like Lamar's sitting with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. If you just come out of, out of halftime and take care of business, so yeah, better than the alternative. But I wish they didn't have to get so low to mm-hmm. then just have to try to rally back and
2: stem off a epic collapse. Just quickly, um, why doesn't Will Levis play? there <laughs> second round rookie yeah. rookie quarterback and they're just playing Malik Willis who Vrabel clearly didn't like last season um uh, who was a rookie then second year guy now they spend another premium draft pick on a quarterback that well, might be a good spot it, yeah for him, that's like d- they just don't play Will Levis I don't know if he was hurt or something I could have missed something I admittedly but he's the third guy there and it's like why you drafted Will Levis, because you didn't
1: like what you saw out of Malik Willis last year. They're starting Josh Dobbs in elimination games, and then all of a sudden, yeah, Malik just comes in. So I don't know. I don't know what goes on with the Titans. I don't think they're a very good football team, but that was, yeah, Tim, that was that was fascinating, <laughs> too. And, and they, you know, I think he showed his—he's not a rookie, but they really got after him, I think, on his dropbacks. I know the line's four for five, 74 yards, which— Tannehill's eight for sixteen for seventy six yards. So the Titans did nothing all day on offense, and yet, yeah, thanks to our own mistakes, we're as I mentioned, white knuckling the very end, hoping Isaiah likely doesn't screw up an onside kick. Yeah, a <laughs> so weird, it shouldn't have reached that.
0: But a weird finish where Willis is basically getting sacked every other play, but they're also moving the ball down downfield <laughs> with a big chunk play. You know, I love it. Your your defense is playing prevent. Uh, uh, or prevent depending on where you put the emphasis and they just immediately <laughs> give up 50 yards uh, on like a bubble screen um, and then there's the penalties that the Ravens have to have uh, defensively uh, late in the game but they don't give up the touchdown they don't give up the big score um, <laughs> the Titans essentially wave the white flag and kick a field goal on third down when they realize <laughs> that they're not getting in the end zone in two plays um and the Ravens hold on. I mean, you'll take every game. You'll take every single game if the other team has to recover an onside kick to have a chance to tie. Um, and that's what what it came to in the end. I, I have a few other a few positives and then a few notes. We've been going long. Uh, it's a Ravens win, so we have so many things that we want to talk about. But the Ravens got great pressure with four late in this game. And that is something new for us. When other teams are in pass-only mode. You want your front four who know that they can just attack the quarterback to get pressure. And we have not been able to do that for years and even in stretches this year. And Clowney and Van Noy on the edges were putting a lot of pressure on. And then Jace Matabuke and the interior has become a force in the pass rush, which is is crazy.
1: Yeah, and I'm getting a little concerned uh, of him going to greener pastures. I know Tim; he's one of your favorite players on the team, but he's up to four and a half sacks now after a two-sack game. That, yeah, it's behind only Chris Jones, I believe, for sacks by an interior defensive lineman uh, through the first six weeks. Um, so, yeah, he's gonna get he's gonna get big time paid, and uh, you know we we extended Broderick Washington. I think Matt Abike best uh, bet on himself, and I think is going to be paid very handsomely by someone I hope it's us but I have my doubts <laughs> this offseason and then uh yeah you mentioned uh Clowney and Van Noy um it's great that you know two sacks from Genevieve Clowney can he get to 10 I think he's up to three or four now uh but um it, it is you know a job out injured no way out injured not exactly the script you put in Put in place for these two kind of veterans that you signed late in camp, and then I believe once the season started with Van Noy, that that they're they're your closers. But you know it is what it is. The NFL is a weird league, and at least like it was nice to see that that happen. That pressure with just four um the titans do have a very bad offensive line so can it continue that's i think tbd but for this game yeah that i mean that helped them seal it because they were able to just drop so many guys and just kind of keep getting after first Tannehill and then after uh malik willis once he came in
2: yeah um we're gonna do a lot of off-season chat about how the ravens replaced justin matabek and patrick queen in the center of the ravens defense um yeah and I will just bookmark this now, and you're going to hear me say this a million times. This is what happens when you pay your quarterback. You can't pay everybody else. Um, and it's going it, to – those are two guys that it's going to hurt. A um, few years later down the line, it's going to hurt a guy like Rashad Bateman, although that's not necessarily going to hurt the team. Um, just to say I'm, I'm with the two of you. Remember when – I saw this on Twitter, by the way. Remember when he was like a walking first down? His first like seven catches as a, as a rookie were all first downs. We're like, this guy's going to move the chains for years. Yeah. That was great. great. Um, we deserve happiness at the wide receiver position. Yeah. It's not right. I, I'll, I'll, I know the, the we want to joke about Clowney and Van Noy just being like the best edge guys right now. But Clowney's <laughs> actually showing me some stuff. And this is talking out of both sides of my mouth completely. I know this for a fact because I'm like, I don't care about pressures. I want sacks. The Dafe Owe Matt Judon award of nearly theirs and what have you. Like, I know I say all this stuff. But when you don't even have nearly theirs, it's kind of nice to have a guy that gets some nearly theirs and kind of gets some pressure. And Clowney, you know, the 24 is an atrocious mistake. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was just um, – it, it's nice to see Jadavian Clowney kind of being good uh, again and, and obviously affecting the run and what have you. Um, you know, I'm going to steal a note from you, Jace, unless you just said it, and I apologize. Um, Roquan Smith had a an amazing, like – huge IQ level play here to the point where the official NFL social team put out a video on Instagram that was like, what was Roquan thinking? And it was like, he was thinking and you are not a social media intern (laughs) where he like was around a guy late in the game. uh, Somebody caught a pass and was down and Roquan just like hovered over him to burn a few seconds of clock. And then as soon as the guy got up, he made the tackle, registered a tackle for himself, by the way, good for Roquan, but also burned like a few extra seconds, just just high IQ stuff from everybody's favorite middle linebacker. Um, so yeah, that was nice to see as well.
1: Yeah, that got them down to the two minute warning, and it was—I was—you were like, "Oh wow, that was such it's a Roquan's smart play." Great. It was it's a little just
2: one of those Roquads great place.
1: It was so good. I will say I would have, I think, levitated on that play even longer if uh, the very next play was that Tajay Spears, uh, like, 48-yard game <laughs> that set up that, that last field goal. So that, that kind of took a little air out of my sails, but he, he's so great. And then, yeah, we mentioned Patrick Queen, but him fighting off that block to tackle Malik Willis, third and eight play, Willis scrambles, gets away from, like, three or four Ravens defenders who should have sacked him. <laughs> and he's, he's out uh, on the edge. There's like a guy blocking queen and he fights them off, makes the tackle, stops him short. It's 21, 13. At this point, the Ravens tack on that, uh, that final field goal to kind of make it a double digit lead. Maybe secretly like one of the plays of the game outside of the Gino stone pick on defense. It was just so big and he's played so well. He gets another, he gets a sack in this game too. And, but yeah, I'm with you guys. It, the, Tim, you said it. Like this is what happens when you pay the quarterback. I, Qu- Queen, it seems like Queen's he's been, gone. Queen's and... been
2: so so good, but
1: you, yeah, your second so...
2: inside linebacker, you just can't. You
1: can't. That's the thing. You've you've paid Roquan Smith now, and <laughs> it's 2023, so you're not going to have two guys getting that kind of money. So, yeah, it was it was nice to see the defense largely. I mean, just as a blanket statement, I think they've been great. All six weeks, frankly. Uh, we should be 6-0. I think that's all mostly the offense's fault that they're not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, they're getting good good performances from just about every level. So I think there's there's hardly any complaints from that side of the ball.
0: Uh, I'm going to run through uh, the last few uh, intangibles that, that I have. And then you guys can pick apart whichever one you want here as we as we wrap up this game. The Ravens, nine penalties in this game for 88 yards. That's back, uh, which was nice to see. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons for the Titans. Dirty football player. Uh, It's been known for a long time, and he proved it again. And I know you're not really supposed to say that kind of thing when you don't know the person. He dove directly into Zay Flower's knee while he was being held up by two other defenders. The tackle made no sense. He literally had, from far away saw him being held up, and dove directly at his knees. Almost hurt his own player in the process. Almost dove into the knee of his own player. Uh, he doesn't care. He's a dirty player. That, that's my opinion. Um, come fight me, Jeffrey Simmons. I'll run <laughs> as fast as you've ever seen me run. <laughs> Marcus Williams is basically playing basically is playing football with one arm. Um, is that better than Geno Stone with two arms? Um, Marcus Williams signed by the Ravens two off-seasons ago, had, I think, played 99% of, uh, of the available games. He now has three different injuries in one-and-one one quarter seasons with the Ravens. I hate this team. Uh, and then a couple other... Um, some future bets that aren't real bets that you can't make, but I definitely made them. Uh, apparently the team had an illness. Uh, quote, run through the team last week. Uh, but fortunately it was dealt with by the weekend, so my Lamar gets sick future, um, was close to hitting, but it, it didn't hit, uh, at least as of now. However, my slips future, that cashed, uh, because Clowney <laughs> officially mentioned in the post game that he was slipping all over the place in the first half, that the ter- the field was terrible, and he had to change cleats, which is one of what is exactly what my future bet was, that they'd all have to change cleats, and he had to change cleats, and then played better. Um, The Patrick Queen stuff is tough. Man, I cannot believe my own personal turnaround on this player in two seasons. And yet, he is the rare player to actually fulfill the... He's very young. He's inexperienced. You need to give him time to develop into a star player. And that is the level that he is playing at right now. He is still only 24 years old at the end of his rookie contract. It's a shame. It's a shame there is... We may, A franchise tag is something that they will talk about in the offseason. It has to go somewhere. Um, I could see it happening, but that that's a question for the summer. I'll leave it for the spring and the summer, but he is playing uh, outstanding football. And then the final, final point, final question. Do we feel any better after this game about this team a lot of the same old same old but the team did respond defensively they did respond offensively they were able to close a game out they won a football game in a weird place in time and they killed it off in theory well enough so you know we don't feel worse I don't think maybe we feel worse do we feel worse the same even a tick better uh, as we get into the real fall fall football here into October and November.
2: Uh, talking through this, no, I don't feel better. Um, <laughs> I feel the same. But I, like I said earlier, I need to see them beat the brakes off of some teams. Or win by 14 and, and make it be one of those games where you're elbowing your buddy uh, and not that that Titans fan at the bar. You're elbowing your buddy and you're like, <laughs> hey, um, you know, if that was 14, it was never that close. You know, I, I need one of those. Um, and we haven't had that yet. And so for me... No, no, I, I do not I do not feel better about this team.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same too, Antonio. And I think it's kind of like, in many ways, they still sort of played down to competition uh, in this game. They still kind of tried to blow it again. And I think the reason they didn't is the Titans are just a little worse than the Steelers everywhere. They don't have a player as good as TJ Watt on the defensive side. They don't think Vrabel's as good a coach. Uh, and Tannehill, Malik Willis... I don't know, roughly comparable to Kenny Pickett. They certainly don't have a receiver as good as George Pickens on the Titans, even with the D-hop there. He was largely shut down in this game. Um, But I will say... (laughs) So nothing the Ravens did made me feel better, but watching the rest of the NFL made me feel better about the Ravens, I I will say, just because we have one of the five to seven best quarterbacks in the NFL, I think unequivocally, in Lamar Jackson. And I think... Uh, you know, our defense is pretty good to really good, I will say. Like, they're um, – I forget the exact figures. They're, like, third and fourth in, like, points and yards against at this point in the season. Um, so they're right up there, like, top five in both categories. Uh, and they – yeah, like I said, they should be 6-0. and The reason they're not is their offense. Uh, so if they can figure that out. And just as a whole, yeah, if they – Ken, I don't know if it's possible for this team. I don't know if it'll ever happen with John Harbaugh again. I've said it won't on the show. So <laughs> I guess I have my doubts. But if they could somehow manage to start being less sloppy and start putting teams away, that might be enough this year in an NFL that I think is just like, we're in a new NFL in a post Tom Brady world where like any team can win the Super Bowl. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so let's talk about those teams uh, that ruined ruined some bets, ruined some teases uh, in our picks this week. <laughs> Browns beating the 49ers, Jets beating the Eagles, and there are zero undefeated teams remaining. Every team in the NFL can officially beat itself. The 49ers missing a 40-yard field goal for the win, making a bunch of other mistakes. Brock Purdy, he might need the Kenny Pickett gloves to hang to the ball because he was <laughs> unable to grip a football in the rain. Eagles with four turnovers and their loss to the Jets uh and even the Chiefs who haven't I'll put it I'll go, I was gonna say it one way I'll reverse it the Chiefs are five and one they haven't looked great in a lot of their games their offense is not clicking still trying to figure out who their wide receivers are and who they can go to in certain situations so it's a weird it's a weird season jace I love that it's no longer that it feels good to just not be the well, Tom Brady will be in the conference championship, so let's like build around that in the NFL. That's not the case. Even the Chiefs uh, this year, until they look better in these games, that they're still somehow winning every week. It's wide open, and and I, I think you're absolutely right to say that the Ravens have the talent, depth wise, and the quarterback that that can that can sort of keep up with a lot of these teams. Even the Bills look bad in, in their win against the Giants at home, where Josh Allen looked flummoxed uh for for at least the first half
1: yeah the the 49ers loss kind of I think of all these is the one that that struck me the most uh because you know it comes out midweek that Deshaun Watson isn't playing it was kind of leading that way and then he's for sure after being cleared by the team
2: by the way something we should know
1: yeah so i don't know what's going on there <laughs> they supposedly they cleared him like three weeks ago right because he was cleared to play the ravens yep. game they've had a buy and then he doesn't play this game so who knows uh i i will say the browns defense looks legit and maybe that in hindsight makes me feel a little better about what the ravens managed to do to them i know their quarterback situation was a mess this game, but their quarterback situation was largely a mess in this game against the Niners. P.J. Walker was not good and tried to throw the game away with that pick uh, in the late uh, in the second half that allowed the Niners to take the lead. But it was just it was strange because the Niners come out immediately, punch the Browns in the mouth, uh, go right down the field, and then do basically nothing the whole rest of the game uh, after what after looking like the best team in the NFL. Um, all season, I think. And, you know, injuries are such a big thing. They lose Debo and Christian McCaffrey over the course of this game, and Trent Williams gets hurt. So that's, what, three of their five best players are hurt in during the course of this game. So that's not good. Um, and, yeah, and then with the Eagles, I feel like the Eagles actually blew it more than the probably the Niners just because, like, the Niners, I think, were largely outplayed by the Browns. That defense just messed them up for, like, three quarters of the game, basically, the whole game more or less after that opening uh touchdown drive. But the Eagles, you mentioned it four turnovers, especially the last one, the Jalen Hurts pick that just sets up the, the Jets go ahead score, like that was just such a backbreaker when you have a chance as badly as the teams played relatively to still escape with a win. Um and you just kind of give the game away. Uh, I am worried about the Chiefs just in general, still winning all these games and being five and one. I still think I, th- I still think as long as they have fifteen upright, uh, they're going to be right in the mix because uh, he is the best. He's the best player in the NFL. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not here for debate on that. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's weird, and it, it, it I guess it's just a reminder that. You know, you you see the two undefeated teams lose to backup quarterbacks. You're like, maybe this is just a week-to-week league and weird stuff happens. And maybe we shouldn't be as hard on the Ravens as we are. And yet, as we've mentioned many times, this we should be the last undefeated team. We should be six and zero.
0: We could we, be those frauds. <laughs>
1: yeah, we could be the team that loses at seven and zero to the Cardinals. But no, uh, um, yeah. It, so that for that side of things, it's still frustrating. But uh, yeah, just seeing how what kind of wide open things are and. and uh getting these teams with the losses at least makes you ask a few questions. I still think the 49ers and Eagles are the two best teams in the NFC and probably going one of them will be in the Super Bowl, I think. But it just at least creates a little a little question of doubt, a seed of doubt that's out there that you can get these teams, they're not invincible. The Eagles
2: have looked not the same, albeit, you know, being undefeated up until this weekend. Um, you know, as somebody – I've been watching a lot of Eagles this week, this year because I have a couple fantasy players, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to watch a ton of Eagles then. And it just doesn't feel like the Eagles that we watched last year. Um, so I think that kind of came to fruition. Shout out to Jets' defense too. I mean, and Zach Wilson playing fine. Like, playing fine. You know, if that defense is that good, if he's just fine, they might be competitive Which until Aaron Rodgers comes back, and apparently he's already, you know, off crutches or doing, you know, shoving Chris guy Chris couldn't, in his mouth. Guy couldn't
1: but, move yeah. he's all about just pl- platforming himself he gets out on the field and doesn't take a step to throw that football he's not yeah, playing I mean, any no, time. I don't soon. think so either
2: <laughs> um and then with the Niners too I think it's kind of the worry that you know that they've always had of Debo Trent Williams key players get hurt George Kittle doesn't have a clean bill of health Christian McCaffrey certain does certainly doesn't either he went out in this game as well that's gonna be the thing that derails them, and it's a, a serious concern. A team that it's a serious concern for, but hasn't showed up yet, is the Miami Dolphins, who just absolutely laid the wood on the Panthers. Who, man, giving up that first-round pick just looks worse and worse every week. Um, going down fourteen nothing, and then winning forty-two to twenty-one. Now that is an offense that can score at any moment, any time, which I think is interesting. And then, you know, just outside of a couple things that that you both already pointed out. Um, Credit to the Houston Texans. You know, I I will talk about it a little bit later. I had them as one of my picks in gambling. I thought they should have been the favorite against the Saints. They were not. I took it. They won outright anyway. Three and three right now. The health of Trevor Lawrence is certainly, um, you know, we don't really know at time of recording. He's day to day currently uh, with an injury he picked up against the Colts. The Texans, man. You look at the number. The number is too high for them to win that division. I'll just say that. You know, I'm not saying they're going to, but D'Amico Ryan's is a great coach. C.J. Stroud should have been the number one overall pick. Uh, You know, we all thought he was going to be after Josh McCown was like (laughs) oogling him at at the pro day at Ohio State when
1: when he told him, "Can't wait to see you in Charlotte" or whatever. Yeah, and then it just didn't
2: happen. Uh, Sounds like an owner. When the
1: Texans go to play Carolina, yeah, pretty
2: much. Um, Credit to the Texans, and then. I'll just do this quickly because it isn't part of my gambling section, but it is part of my real-life gambling section, and I need to take a beating for it. Um, I ate the cheese on the New England Patriots, plus two and a half. It was plus 100. I thought I was going to double my money. Bill Belichick, there's no way he's losing to Josh McDaniels. This is a kitchen sink game. Daddy's not going to lose to his son, whatever. And I was right up until the final moments um, when Mac Jones, that just (laughs) – Absolutely horrendous excuse for a quarterback was far and away clearly worse than Zach Wilson now. Like, clearly worse than Zach Wilson now. Uh, just takes a terrible safety in the end zone. The Raiders win by four. I lose my plus two and a half bet. Um, the Patriots are really bad. And I'm fine to say, like, oh, they might just tank for Caleb Williams. This is a chess move all along by Bill Belichick. I think Belichick is kind of just, like, the grandma that needs help crossing the road at this point it seems like anyway he clearly can't build a roster he certainly can coach but it's not showing over the last couple of weeks the patriots are a sad excuse for a football team and that is something i never thought i would say um you know growing up in the era that we did home to the bills at the dolphins the next two games for the patriots
0: uh boy long long may it continue but you better win a few games. Let's get out of the confine. Get like, get
2: like the, the eighth pick.
0: Yeah. Um, the Lions officially officially for real now. At least I guess by my uh, you know voting, they have now won their last four games by fourteen points or more. Good luck, Ravens. We'll get to that segment uh, quickly enough. And then the Bengals, three and three now because of course they're three and three. Uh, Burrow looks healthy. They look okay. Uh, They're going to continue to win football games. It's going to be the whole, wow, we got tricked again. They weren't a two-loss team to start the year. They were a three-loss team to start the year now, and they still are just going to be just fine. However, their next six opponents, 49ers, Bills, Texans that are now a frisky team, Ravens in Baltimore, Steelers, Jags those are six difficult games for them and is not really good enough when you're a three and three team right they can't just keep staying 500 they have to win four of six of these to, to kind of make the make the move in the AFC north and it will be a, a challenge for them every week for the next month and a half so that's kind of interesting for me anything else uh, on the NFL guys before we turn to uh, Ravens lines
1: what just on the Bengals, they were soundly outplayed too on Sunday. They're like they're lucky to be three and three. The the Seahawks really, in many ways, blew that game. I believe I, I read they were inside the fifteen or in the red zone three different times and came away with no points. The Seahawks did in a game they lost by four. Um, they they just kind of you know had some untimely turnovers. Uh, some just couldn't connect on fourth downs. But yeah, the Bengals. I don't think they're out of the woods yet. I will say it's annoying the NFC or the AFC North, uh, our division, of course, that we should be 6 0 in. The only one where every team is 500 or better. So, you know, I think we thought this division would be tough uh, going into the year. It is. <laughs> I think even tougher in some ways, it, playing out weirder than I thought, I think, to this point. But. Every team's good, at the very least. Every team has something, you know, maybe the Browns, who knows, with Watson. But clearly, they might have one of the best defenses in the NFL. The Bengals are the Bengals. Steelers are going to fumble their way to at least nine, if not ten wins, because that's what they do. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a dogfight. Um, but, you know, I wish we were 6-0. Phil two's okay at this part of the season, uh, coming back from a Europe trip.
0: All right, let's get into it then. Ravens. Home at the bank against the Detroit Lions. And I'm gonna say this game, the line for this game opened at two and a half. I thought it was gonna be Ravens by three and a half, and it was gonna be the the easiest, the juiciest bet against the Ravens in a game where maybe that you know who who knows how it's gonna end up, but they sure weren't gonna win by three and a half points. And then the Ravens that the Vegas put it at minus two and a half, and I was jealous of how. Perfectly, Vegas had placed the line for this game to make me and you know, the collective gambling world have to think, have to hesitate for a second. Well, wait a minute now. The, this could be a tie game late, and the Ravens kick the field goal, and they cover. They win and cover. But it has moved. It's moved to three. It was two and a half, uh, and then the, the, the money's moved it to three. Three and a half would have been... So good. We will see how this line moves as we get into the week, but currently it is Ravens three-point favorites, and it is really the first real test of the season for this Ravens team. You hate to say this when the team has already lost two games and they haven't had a real test, but that's kind of where I'm at with this team, based on the quarterbacks and their health and how many backups we've played and the rookies and all that. You now get a Top top team top echelon team with how they've been playing week in week out. I just mentioned how they've been blowing out opponents. The Lions have not exactly a murderer's row of opponents. They have two wins uh, against teams with a winning record. One was the Kadarius Tony Chiefs game in Week One, and then the other was last week against the Bucks. Those are their only wins against teams with a winning record. However, uh, you know you're five and one. That's that's nothing to, to sort of shy away from. So. Initial thoughts uh, of the Ravens having to take on a real playoff, you know, contending team, uh, but with the game being at home.
2: Uh,
1: So I'm cautiously optimistic, I will say, and that's on the principle that we play to our competition. I think the Ravens are going to come out fired up, uh, and I think we might see... Like, their best game of the season. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility just because that's how stupid this team is. I, I think there's a real chance that they come out, they win this game, they look great, Remember a few years ago when we beat the the Chargers? I think when the Chargers undefeated and we won like thirty four to six or something, and then never played well the whole rest of the season. I could see something very similar happening where everyone's hyping the Lions up. Like, are the Lions really going to go six and one? Move to six and one, beat the Ravens. Like, are the Lions an actual Super Bowl contender? Maybe this is just my entire lifetime as an NFL fan pushing against that idea uh, a little bit. Uh, it just it's hard for me to imagine a world where like. The Lions come in and just sort of handle this team. So I think I think we'll play it tough. I think we'll play it tight. And I think they will actually win at the end of the day. Uh, and then they will lose to the Cardinals next week.
2: Um, there is absolutely a real thing of the team that gets g'd up by the national media has a letdown game the following week. Um, and that is going to be the Lions this week. If you've been listening to your stuff, you already know eagles lose niners lose are the the lions the new team in the nfc that'll run well as we're recording the cowboys are playing tonight so never mind the entire a and b block for all of tuesday sports (laughs) center and other shows that you might watch is going to be cowboys but after that it'll be the lions and are the is this team you know for real they face a real test in the ravens this is the new game of the week Da 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 and um I'm not here for being the game of the week. I don't love it, um, and <laughs> I don't feel great about it. I, look, I could totally see, and obviously I would like to see Jace's plan come to fruition. Uh, the part about the Lions, not the Cardinals part, because if it does come true, that will totally happen. But you know, we're not going to do that on this episode of a Raven. I just – a team coming back from London who – if you look around social media and stuff is treating this like a win, you know, like this ultimate, um, we gritted out this performance in London, time to go home back to the bank and not being like, yeah, well, we got to clean some stuff up. You're not hearing a lot of that. You're hearing a lot of gritting out a win, finally getting back in the books and not like, Hey, there's some things we need to fix. The lions will expose those things. The lions are a tough nosed team that don't make a ton of mistakes and fight like hell for their coach. Dan Campbell Uh, They have a guy like Aiden Hutchinson who is T.J. Watt-esque in terms of a disruptive pass rusher who will make you pay for mistakes like Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt, uh, both uh, for the Steelers a couple of weeks ago. I just – I personally think the Lions are a better football team. I really do. Um, That being said, if the Ravens can get to Jared Goff, they have shown no evidence they can really get to quarterbacks, but if they can get to Jared Goff and (laughs) knock him off his spot – and not give him time to throw to the likes of Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and oh, oh, by the way, Jamison Williams, who is starting to come alive, and Sam Laporta, who looks clearly like the best rookie tight end in a stacked rookie tight end class. Um, If they can expose the lack of a potential run game for the Lions, it looks like both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs are going to miss. David Montgomery, almost certainly. Jameer Gibbs might miss as well. You force force golf to win the game. Can he do that? I think he can, but... There might be something there. The Ravens coming back from London, too, like the jet lag. Not jet lag, I guess, because you're going back in time, but whatever. Traveling back and not taking your bye week and, and playing immediately again. There's a lot of factors in a lot of different ways here. I think it would—it it is what makes it an interesting game. And, and I'm talking in circles a bit. Simply put, I think the Lions are a better football team. I think they should be favored, even if it is away from home. And, um, yeah, I... I could see the Ravens winning a close one, but I, I'm i not super confident as of yet. Again, like I said, like we said at the end of the recap segment, I need to see them beat the breaks off of a team to kind of regain my confidence going in. Um, this will not be that week because win, lose, or draw, it's going to be tight.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that either. But offensively, I do think they're going to move the ball. I think they are going to score some points. The red zone issues, you know, split the difference uh, once they get into the red zone with how they execute there. But I think the test is going to be defensively. We have a unit that has looked great over long stretches this entire season, even dating back to the last half of last year. Here's your opportunity to put it up against an explosive offense. The Lions, fourth best in the NFL in terms of yards in, on offense and points uh, on offense. So, you know, put it's going to be put to the test. Uh, uh, Marcus Williams lo- seems to be that he will be out uh, for this game with the hamstring injury that he picked uh, up in London. Yeah, Har- Harbaugh Jace? said
1: he's... He, uh, John Harbaugh said today he's considering him week to week, so that's not great. Um, so. so read between... The, yeah, if, if one yeah. of the
0: listeners is able to speak Harbaugh better than us, uh, you know, read, read and figure that one out. But uh, unlikely... To play, but Geno Stone, who has only made plays while filling in, uh, you know, for various parts of the season, he'll get, he'll get the call there. But this is the test. If you want to be an elite unit, you have to handle the best offenses, and you're going to get it with the crowd noise behind you. So, I, don't, I, I mean, it's it's so simplistic, but I see the Ravens' offense putting anywhere between 24 to 27 points up in this game. Can you hold the Lions to under that? Can you make them kick field goals? Can you put them into fourth and fours where they decide to go for it? You know, and in, in, into Ravens territory, and you make some stops there. Um, but otherwise, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be tough. I think the Lions have proved it over enough games. Um, I'm I'm taking the Lions here. I, I said it last week that I was going to take the Ravens in the Titans game, and then take the Lions in the game after that because that's what this team has been. And I'm sticking to it, even without that that little extra half point that I so would have loved. Um, But I'm taking the Lions plus three. It's frustrating. Uh, A chance that the Ravens win this game by a point or two uh, with a late field goal, but unable to cover. So I I am taking the Lions plus three. And and I'm curious where you guys are going to end up here.
1: Uh, Well... I said I am picking the Ravens to win and I'm I'm still taking the line. I'm taking the Ravens to cover as well. They can't lose on T Sizzle Ring of Honor Day. <laughs> uh, you know, he's gonna be there. He's probably gonna be wearing like a gladiator helmet or a bane mask or Can something. Get him a uniform? I'm sure. Well <laughs> that would be nice as well. Uh but um yeah, I don't know. I, I just uh, you mentioned all like the matchups, Antonio. It is fascinating how like directly you you look at the the sort of matchup how directly even they are you know we uh the Lions fifth in pass yards per game were second in defensive pass yards against per game and the same thing with like just kind of across the board Lions uh one of the best run defenses in the NFL obviously we've are always a good rushing team so it'll be fascinating it'll be tight i think it'll be a good challenge but i do think for some reason in my heart, I, I'm not worried about the reverse jet lag, being in London all week, coming back, not taking your bye. I think they rise to the occasion
2: I have them winning this game. Yeah, I mean, I I talked about it already. Lions plus three. Um, give, <laughs> give me the points with the team I think is better, and hopefully the Ravens win. All right, I'll
0: go through the rest of my picks.
2: Two and one last
0: week. Uh, won the Ravens game, won the Bengals, lost my T's because of those stupid undefeated NFC teams. Nine and nine on the season. Uh, and we're ready to soar. Uh, like like the Ravens of old uh (laughs) with this week's (laughs) picks. Uh Lions plus three. Um I'm taking the Browns. Minus two and a half at the Colts. Maybe I'm betting the Browns a week too late, but the Browns defense is going to eat Gardner Minshew alive. I know that is gonna happen, and I don't really care who the quarterback is for the Browns. Run the ball try to minimize mistakes, make a few plays offensively. The Browns' D may literally score in this game against the Colts. I could see it. And you're getting this line at less than a field goal. I really like it. Uh, I think the Colts kind of had their fun wins to start the year, uh, and now no Richardson for, for at least a while. And it's no longer the Gardner Minshew is frisky. Now it's, oh, he's the starter now, week in, week out, and he's not really been able to prove... Uh, effective over long stretches uh, of, of games. Browns, minus two and a half. I, I really like that line. And then a three-team, six-point tees. And I'm getting a little plus little plus odds here. And teams that are dogs as well. The Chargers are currently six-point underdogs at the Chiefs. Uh, I have not seen them play Monday night. We are recording before that, that game has started against the Cowboys. So This line may may change as that result comes in, but I'm teasing the Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers in Kansas City at plus 12. And I got some stats to back it up. Kansas City against Los Angeles, the the matchups that have been the Herbert-Mahomes matchups in their career, they have played a total of five times, and these were the scores in those five games. 23-20 23 to 20 Chiefs 30 to 24 Chargers 34 28 Chiefs in overtime a 6 point win in OT 27 24 Chiefs another one score 3 point game and then 30 to 27 Chiefs are you sensing a pattern these teams <laughs> play close every time those two guys go head to head and I'm getting a team at plus 12 I'm taking the Chargers in that game. It's going to be a one-score game, uh, and I'm going to be comfortable, even in garbage time, if if the Chargers are getting blown out by that backdoor cover. I'm also taking the Dolphins. I'm moving that line to plus 8.5 at Philadelphia. I agree with Tim wholeheartedly that the Eagles have looked shaky all season, in even while winning football games, and I get the Dolphins, who could easily win this game by double digits. I get them plus 8.5? Yes, please. And then the last one the Bills, I'm moving that line down to minus two and a half at the Pats the Bills have been weird, they've looked bad, then they've looked great, then they've looked bad the Pats have not been weird, they've been bad week in week out, (laughs) and I'm getting the Bills at less than a field goal, I don't care where the game is played I love it, I love this tease it's yeah, I'm saying it, it's it's time it's my lock of the year three team, six point tease I rarely do this Maybe I'll do it one more time later in the year. You bet $100. You win $160. It's plus money. Three teams. All three of these teams could win. Easily. And you're getting two of them at plus 12 and plus 8.5. And then it's the Bills, who should blow out this Patriots team. It's
1: my lock of the week. Three team. Six pointees. So, uh, I... I... (laughs) Now I feel bad because I'm sort of going, a, a, well, because, you know, obviously at plus eight and a half, the Dolphins don't necessarily ha- obviously have to win, but I'm picking the Eagles uh, at the original line. Eagles minus two and a half. Uh, and I'm also going with the Seahawks minus seven and a half against the Cardinals. Both teams playing home games, following a loss. I think they come out angry. I think they get wins. That's kind of my entire rationale <laughs> behind my picks. Uh, nothing too deep there, but I, I, I do agree with you guys that the Eagles haven't played as good as the Dolphins. But kind of what we mentioned with the Lions a little bit, Tim. I do think the Dolphins now, uh, you know, they're five and one, and there's I do think like today and probably into this week, there's a lot of are they the best team in the NFL after these Forty ers Eagles losses. I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles kind of come back and and just kind of make an answer at home. I still think they're one of the best teams in the league. And, um, and I didn't even think, you know, Jalen Hurts wasn't great. That pick was so bad. But I thought he's actually been playing well the last several weeks. I mean, he was awesome against the Rams. Um, and then the Seahawks, I, when I originally looked, this line was minus 7. I felt more, a lot more comfortable with it. That 7.5, it's starting to get a little sketchy. But I think the Cardinals are hitting the point where, I don't know, like – They're feisty, but they kind of always end up losing handily at the end of every game, and I don't know necessarily if people have noticed that, uh, you know, they're still 1-5, as competitive as they might be. I don't know if they're going to go up into Seattle and kind of hang, so... I'm riding with the Seahawks. I think, as I mentioned, I think when we were talking about the Bengals, they should have won this game. They're probably pissed off at how they, how they blew it in Cincinnati. Um, so I, I think the Seahawks bounce back because I do think Seattle's a good team, and that's obviously a hard place to play. And, and I just kind of think the Cardinals are starting to sort of show their cracks
2: uh, in the foundation of the team. Save that point on the Seahawks because we'll get to that in a second. Before that, uh, one and two last week for me. Uh, won Texans as I mentioned before, lost Eagles and uh, Titans. Obviously, ten and five on the season though, so feeling pretty good. I did miss a week um, where I wasn't on the show, so that's why I have less picks than Antonio when keeping track there. But feeling okay so far of how this has started to work out. I've already got Lions plus three. I d- legitimately do not like this board at all. Um, you know, Antonio is hitting plays <laughs> of the year over here, teasers of the year, and I'm just kind of like holding my nose and making picks. I'm going to take Mike Tomlin off a of bye as a dog. Uh, Steelers plus three away to the Los Angeles Rams. If you haven't heard, the the Rams might be without their top two running backs in this game. I know Cooper Cup is coming back. I know the Steelers aren't great, but look, it's plus three. The Rams, the Steelers will find a way to hang in a game, even though it's it'll be 85% Pittsburgh fans screaming fire <laughs> Matt Canada for most of the game. And then Kenny Pickett will have a drive to... <laughs> Either you know they lose by one or they win by two, and it's something like that. So give me Steelers plus three away to the Rams. There, Um, I'll just hold my nose on that one and take it. And then I'm also gonna go for a tease here. Um, I'll start with the Seahawks there because Jace's points all make tons of sense for me. I'm just gonna knock it down to minus one and a half and not have that minus seven and a half there. Seahawks probably should have won that game. They're going back home. You know, A game that they will want to win against a division opponent when they see blood in the water with the Niners, potentially, uh, to try and get back up in that division. That's a big game for them, and I'm with you on the Cardinals. Kind of might be it for the fun Cardinals story. As soon as they started selling the Josh Dobbs jersey in the team store, it all kind of <laughs> fell apart, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, give me Seahawks minus one and a half at home to Arizona. Uh, I am going to go with the Chiefs as a pick'em at home to the Chargers. Antonio read out those last five games. He was pointing to all those games are close. I heard four Chiefs wins out of five. So give me the Chiefs again. <laughs> Chiefs won't cover the minus six, but they'll probably win by three, uh, and that, especially at home. Again, as he mentioned before, we have not seen the Chargers play yet uh, on Monday Night Football, so they could either look really good or really bad. So this will either look better or worse by the time you're listening to this. But I'm going to take Chiefs, pick them, Seahawks minus one. And the last part of this teaser I don't love, but – I'm going to make the Packers, who were originally minus one-and-a-half point favorites away to the Denver Broncos, basically make them the underdog in this and make it plus four-and-a-half Packers away to the Denver Broncos. It's over a field goal. Denver ain't beating anybody by a field goal. I'm probably higher on this Packers team than most, especially after what we saw, what was it, Monday night, I believe, the last time they played, um, I think it was against the Raiders, and they looked really bad. Jordan Love did not look like the guy. I watched a lot of that game and I was disgusted by it, but I'm even more disgusted by the Denver Broncos. <laughs> so if I can get a team that's plus four and a half, uh, to you know, against the Denver Broncos, I'm gonna take it. I think Jordan Love might have a bounce back game. Another team coming off of bye, I believe. I don't think they played this week unless Oh, they they didn't. They did not play this week. They were on bye. Um, so, you know, have have a week to kind of recuperate, travel to Denver, and hopefully not lose by more than five points.
0: I love the dynamic of the Steelers uh getting booed during a road game but it's their own fans booing their own (laughs) team's offensive coordinator and and just output when they are taking over that stadium but um yeah I I love these picks plenty of room Tim for the Chiefs to just win uh, and and anywhere between you know to one to eleven points um so we'll, we'll make that work somehow um but yeah, that, that's it for us. Uh, go, rave. Good luck, Ravens. I don't know. You're, you're mostly healthy. <laughs> you're at home. Prove it. Prove it to us. Prove that you're a playoff team. This is the, the first real test for them. For Jace Evans and Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to us here on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.